Hello, and welcome to the Brick and Mortar Detroit podcast, where we discuss business, real estate, lifestyle, and travel. I'm your host, Eric Andrews, founder and owner of Brick and Mortar Detroit Real Estate Brokerage with 16 plus years in the industry. I have full service industry from customer service relations, property management, and I have started this podcast for boots on the ground insights from not just one, but as many professionals that I could find in the industry. Today, we have our guest, Brian, with Davis and Davis Realty. He's got 15 years in the industry, and I'm going to let him take it from there and tell us a bit about himself. Well, Eric, first, I would like to say thank you uh, very much. I'm honored uh, to be on your uh, podcast, um, as you know. Thank you. I'm happy to have you. It's been a while. Yeah, We've been no, talking about um, it. We, uh, we have a uh, uh, um, history together, so it's, it's, it feels good to see you um, do all what you're doing in the industry oh, and being a, a light and um, you know some some someone and and uh, excuse me an entity that that the industry could really um, be happy to have. So let me just start off by giving you your flowers first, sir. Well, thank you, um, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And then about myself, you know, I've been in real estate, like you said, over 15 years now. Um, I'm a native Detroiter. Um, I went to uh, Eastern Michigan and studied in uh, nursing and social work. And then in 2006, uh, and still pursuit of my um, collegiate um, goals, um, really got into uh, real estate. And then from there, real estate really was a passion. And I decided to take it on full time for, for life. And so I went away from um, the nursing and social work and really uh, got heavy into real estate back in 2006, starting off as private property management hmm. in the city of Detroit. And I did that for about, what, uh, honestly, I did that for over 10 years and then um, started to make the transition uh, to, um, sales. Uh, and so never saw myself doing sales, but you know, I love it. So yeah, so long story short, been in the game 15, over 15 years on a lot of property management, worked with a lot of sellers. And, and then I took on, um, the sales directorship at my old brokerage, uh, probably now close to two years ago. Um, and that was, um, you know, after you step down from being the sales director to move forward with your now uh, brick and mortar Detroit, <laughs> right. which was one of the best decisions ever. <laughs> <laughs> and so in your in your growth, Eric, you grew me because then I grew. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. I stepped into I had to follow your steps and your shoes and Frankly, the the consultations that you know we've had that you gave me directly in my earlier years and in coming into sales, mm. you know. So this 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 particular podcast is special to me, and I really appreciate you having me here because you were instrumental in um, where I am now in real estate and sales as being a sales director, as well as just a full on realtor in the awesome. sales uh, market. Awesome. Well, I definitely appreciate you saying that because honestly, you, you know, were the first person that came to mind as far as I could 
think like, okay, well, who do I want to interview and what do I want to interview them about? And one of the trickiest things to me in Detroit, you know, is property management. So, you know, you came to mind just simply because I know you guys handled a lot of situations and you, you guys just seem to know what to do. And that was always cool to me because a lot of people don't know where to start, you know, whether it was an eviction, water bills, uh, real estate reads, like just little things that I feel make us sharper agents. You've been doing that for 10 years, you know, so I learned a lot of that from you as far as the more so things that are specific to Detroit. And, um, you know, I, I was already doing property management, but more so luxury property. So now I feel like I have that good balance between the two and I can go here or there or somewhere in the middle. And that was all Thank thanks you. to you guys. So I truly appreciate that. But um, overall, yeah. we will jump right into it. So my first question for me to you is evictions, you know, considering there was a moratorium um, and it seemed like it was a really problematic thing for owners, landlords and things of that nature because they couldn't evict. Could you tell us a little bit about the situation and kind of what you know uh, about the moratorium? I mean, obviously, if I'm not mistaken, it's done, but it does still seem like it's gonna be something that's gonna have some lingering effects. No, that's a, uh, this is a serious question that has a lot loaded into it. So to keep it short, you know, um, the moratorium um, came about because of the pandemic um, that, frankly, we're still in. Um, but I think the pandemic was around March of 2020. And then uh, the uh, moratorium in terms of where they start to really catch up with government and, and them understanding the impact that it was having mm. on the day to day lives. Mm. Um, that moratorium went in place uh, around um, September of 2020. Um, so you got to think from March to September, people were oh really God. just really catching it with no relief at all. Right. Mm. So that that started to stack the deck against um frankly renters and uh landlords because mm -hmm. landlords wasn't receiving rent um so it was a domino effect there and then so again you know uh government stepped in um around september 2020 and as you accurately stated now as of today um it is no longer and it ended the moratorium of evictions ended uh roughly around a year because it ended uh, sometime, maybe middle 17th or so around September 2021. So not too long ago. Man. But now, right, it's over. Technically, you know, landlords, banks are all fair to now ask for recourse uh, for money as well as property. Mm. Um, and so... Um, it has created an issue. What I will say, because um, we always want to have a solution if it's going to be a problem, I would like to be really clear that for uh, citizens, renters of the city of Detroit, I don't know if this is federal, so excuse me for that, but I do know this is local. Gotcha. And for the citizens of Detroit, there is a, a COVID-19 emergency rental assistance program that goes by uh, I believe Sarah, C-R-A. 
again, COVID emergency rental assistance program for Detroit residents. You can check to see if this is federal and will assist uh, throughout the state, which it may, but don't quote me on that. And it's an emergency hotline too, Eric, that I would like to give if you don't mind. Sure, please, absolutely. Um, Cause this is, you know, evictions, this is livelihood here. Um, so that emergency eviction hotline with the city of Detroit is uh, 866-313-2520. Again, that's 866-313-2520. And Eric, I really appreciate brick and mortar Detroit platform allowing me to speak to such an important matter. Absolutely. And I mean, that's why we're here is to really just give people, I don't know, like an opportunity or a place to come and find resources or find information with people who are just willing to share it because a lot of us aren't really getting those resources. And some of these people don't really know, or, you know, sometimes if it's hard enough to find the information, then you're not going to really spend a lot of time looking. So I'm just trying to put it right in front of yeah. people, maybe make it palatable. Sometimes it's dense and, you know, that's a turnoff for people, but we'll do what we can to make sure that we can serve everyone, not just, you know, people from out of town, people who are in a position to make money, but everyone here in Detroit. So that's why we're here. Yes. Absolutely. And that's, that's why I love brick and mortar Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> what can we do, man? You know, we're natives. What can we do we, but help, try to help. So here we are. Yes, so moving on. So what do you find from your experience to be the hardest part of eviction? So I'm going to probably break it into a two-part question and say more so like then, but is there any difference now? So we'll start with the first part. Like, what do you find to be the hardest part of evictions previously? Mm -hmm. uh, along the same lines of a serious question. Um, the hardest that I found over the years dealing with when I was involved in an eviction was just the pure sense of seeing a person or a family be displaced from somewhere they call home. Mm -hmm. That. Mm -hmm. That was always the hardest part. Yes, I had a job as a property manager at, or as an investor myself to collect my rent or to collect my client's rent. Sure. Yes. But I never enjoyed to see someone find themselves and their family in a lot of cases, because a lot of times it's family is not an individual that's being put out. It's a family that's being put out. Hmm. Um, and in those cases, no, it ne never sat. You know, that, that part hurt. That always hurt. Even, and I'll be honest, I've had some obstinate and persnickety tenants, right? So it's yeah. not like, oh, yeah, I just, right? It's really deep, digging deep and say, man, look beyond, you know, how you may have treated me or how I might just feel on the surface. Absolutely. This is beyond that. And I don't, I don't enjoy seeing anyone being displaced and put out their home literally where their mm -hmm. stuff is being put in a dumpster exactly you know, that's a trauma man that's a trauma tell me about it. you're right about that's that. a just a trauma that people probably don't even consider but like your prized possessions the things that you care about literally in the trash or on the curb somewhere and it you know especially if it's something that you guys are doing often where it, you can't become accustomed sure. to it Sure. How does that make you feel about things that you're supposed to care about? You know, exactly. So it's deeper than it's a trauma. It is. Yeah. It no. is. So I feel like, I mean, 
that probably doesn't change the answer to the second part then. It probably is still the hardest part is just seeing the fact that the family is being displaced, right? Yeah, yeah but that, yeah, I would agree. But to, to the second part of your question as an add-on, because there's a level of uh, accountability in everything we do. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that part. Okay. Is the other part that also hurts is when you know that you expressed and did everything within the realms of, frankly, real estate capitalism to avoid this individual or family being displaced by letting them know this is a serious matter and that I can only go so far with you being in the rears on your rent and this will happen. And so the other part is to see that people don't really believe it will happen until that day. And to get those calls while it's happening, Eric, is it's hard. So yeah, it's still the first part hard to see, but the other part is people got to be accountable and know like, look, nothing is more important than having something, uh, not having something, excuse me, but having a roof over your head and your family. Absolutely. Literally. I mean, nothing. even if you don't have utilities, Literally. you still got a roof. I agree. Right. You can rough it. You can yeah. figure out the code and everything yeah. else. Yeah. You are so totally but, right. And that's actually one of my no, most. You don't have that roof with those four walls. It's a tough, it's a tough. Man, man, tell me about it. And that that actually is one of my most beautiful parts of real estate for me is the fact that people are just, it's just something we don't think about. It's a simple luxury now. But, you know, when people were nomadic, you know, back in the day when there weren't roads and people had to go through forests, I mean, to have a home, you know, or a place where you could actually have shelter and set set up a little fire, and you know, that was important. That was the only thing that was important. And now we've got all these vacant houses here and all these people who are just trying to make money or whatever it may be. But it's so much deeper than just that. Like real estate is important for so many reasons, not just because you make money off of it, but you, I mean, who wants to live out in the rain? Who wants to live out in the, the snow or whatever it may be? And so you're so right. Having a roof, even if it's cold or chilly, bundle up, do whatever, but <laughs> Being wet, you know, having snow or whatever and being cold and actually being outside. I mean, how many people die like that every year? Just falling asleep on the ground or being drunk or whatever it may be. So it's a serious problem. Serious problem. So good answer so far. You're killing it, man. I'm I'm glad. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Thank you. Great, great, great substantive question. Hey, that's what we're here for. We don't have to do this more, more than once because uh, we don't have to pick your brain. Hey, I, hey, I like to be a, 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 a what do they call it? A, a, a honorary oh, yeah, honor yeah, guest. Sure. <laughs> hey, man, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. It's going to be good. <laughs> All right. So moving on. Let's see here. Um, we may have kind of already touched on this, but we'll do it again. So do you think there's going to be some sort of mass effect from the number of landlords who were not able to evict and the number of evictions that are going to happen because they were all postponed. Do you think it's going to be like, you know, mm-hmm. 2008 or something that we're not really taking into account for, or what are your thoughts on the matter? Yeah, God, God, please don't let it be 2008. 2008 again. <laughs> well, some of the investors yeah. do, but overall, no. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. See, I'm of a different, I'm of a different kind of cloth investor. <laughs> so I'm gonna say, you know, we don't we don't have to see the world upside down for us to all make it. But I get it from an economic standpoint. But yeah, just straight to it. Hope it's not a 2008. No, I don't. 
I don't believe it will be, at least not for Detroit. Detroit mm. has found itself in a nice insulated spot now and it's rebirth mm. because so much money and so much development has happened and is happening in Detroit. Even with the correction in the economy, like we're frankly seeing right now, and, and, and hopefully we don't get into a depression or a recession, or excuse mm. me, a recession or a depression. Sure. Detroit, I think, is for the most part insulated, like say Ann Arbor was when 2008 happened. Ann Arbor, Michigan, right? Mm. College town, U of M town, everything else around it was going down. The heart line of the state, if you will, for big city Detroit was completely flat, yet Ann Arbor citizens saw their values continue to grow. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Right? right. So now Detroit is, is now in that unique position mm-hmm. to when, frankly, it's happening now, right? Because the market is already starting to slow down and correct some, but Detroit real estate market, I don't have to tell you, is, is still hot. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad about it. Sometimes it can come down a little bit, you know, but, um, you know, absolutely. So I don't know. I don't have that answer in, in terms of um, what is the mass effect. I just say I will hope we don't see the mass effect of, of the Fed raising the interest rate, the bank calling in loans, getting heavy on everybody, which then makes it's just a trickle down effect. Then now the landlords or homeowners, if you will, have no other option but to lean in or take back properties now that used to be an uh, excuse me income Absolutely. property now turn into a principal home, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you know the myth: every landlord or homeowner that just lives off real estate is rich. <laughs> <laughs> so. Of course, they don't need rent, really. No, no, they don't. (laughs) So, man, I hope we don't see a 2008, but I just say in a a nutshell, I think Detroit is uh, insulated some. And I don't see government completely dropping the ball completely to let us get back in this situation. Although inflation is happening right now. Oh, oh. That's a whole nother episode, <laughs> but yes, it is <laughs> happening right before our eyes. And I don't really know. I was talking to my plumber not to get too far on a sidebar, but he was just saying, you know, look, if you could get people to pay these prices, would you bring your prices down? And so I was just like, eh. you know, it was just kind of like, uh, it doesn't look like they, they don't have any incentive to bring them down. So mm, we're going to need right. some, some other factors that, you know, will bring things down because otherwise why not? So moving on. So for you personally, more so personally, property management, what would you say, what are the pros and cons? And I I guess I'm going to be asking that more so for, say, for instance, someone might be considering real estate as a a whole, but they are trying to decide, is it, let me see, property management, or do I want to be a listing agent, a buyer agent? Mm -hmm. Now that you're on the sales side, this is kind of really a, a really good question for you. What would you say are the pros and cons of being a property manager specifically um, from your experience? Yeah, so uh, to answer the question, I would like to answer this question in two parts. One from uh, the industry professional and then another from the investor side. Mm. So, and that's if you don't mind. Oh, please. So one, 
your first part is from an industry uh, professional. Um, the pro to property management, property management and cons. I'll just say as an industry professional, as a pro in property management, um, if you are looking for the long-term day-to-day relationship with your client, property management allows that more than sales does. Um, especially if you're not intentional about being a relationship builder. Mm-hmm. Property management kind of forces you to build a relationship because it's day-to-day with the tenant and it's day-to-day with the with the homeowner versus sales. You know, you really can, it can be that transaction. It can be it, mm-hmm. right? And, and that can just be it. So I'll say from a pro aspect, of if you're a people person and you want to be in real estate and you really want to develop close relationships um, more organically than property management probably um, is the way you want to go in terms of fulfilling that social need as well as still being in real estate. A con is just the inverse of that. If you do not want to have your time um, frankly, monopolized by others, um, then property management is not the way you would want to go. And sales is definitely the way you would want to go. And just be mindful, know when to build smart relationships along your way in sales. Uh, but the kind is definitely going to be in property management. <clears throat> your time is going to be heavily monopolize and I'll add to it to say frankly when you're really doing what you're supposed to be doing in sales management commissions can't equal and compare to real estate commissions no day ever will it ever never <laughs> yeah no you're totally right about that I mean sometimes I do the risk versus reward I'm a selective property manager for particular properties and they just have to be worth my time they got to be close and et cetera, et cetera. Yes. but for the most part I just like I will do the math and I'm like uh, I don't know man I'm not really I'm not really sold on that versus just getting a few deals in and getting it done and you know like you said some relationships can easily be relationships that you can maintain repeat business but more often than not it's not like a, a repeat business thing. It might be a referral business thing, but a lot of times if you're not staying top of mind or you haven't really like connected yeah. with that person, you might never talk to them again. Yeah. So, and I could do better with that. Yeah. A lot of people could be do better with that. I mean, some people are really good at it. And again, that's what you're saying about being a relationship builder. Some people are really good at it, but me on the other hand, sometimes, you know, I, I can be strategic, right? And sometimes for me, it makes more sense for us to just kind of, do our business, keep a good relationship. I follow up with you here and there rather than me talk to you like every few months or whatever it may be. But I do have a few clients lately that, you know, we just really connected and clicked and, you know, they refer their families to me and they they do definitely just check in. I check in on them. So those are great relationships to help someone start their family, start their life and things like that and just kind of watch them grow. That's what this build your dream is all all, all about. So everything all right so no man so that yeah so really quick the the second end and and i'll cut it to the investor is 
same along the same lines of your time. Your time is going to be completely uh, monopolized if you, the owner, the, the the investor, now wants to start a portfolio of cash flowing rental properties, which is great. But just know until you put a management company in place or someone else on your team in place, your time is going to be heavily monopolized by uh, repairs and your tenants. Um, a, 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 and that's the con. A pro is, again, if that's what you want, you're okay with that, then you have the ability to amass a, a portfolio while making great revenue mm. and um, creating that cash flow freedom, Absolutely. which is a lot, but it's going to require a lot. So that mm. that's what I would like to say on that. And, and maybe we should even do another uh, episode on that because you know, I kind of start with property management really at the very beginning when you're buying the property, right? And so sometimes you can alleviate some of the problems by trying to either negotiate them before closing if things need to be fixed or find properties and maybe pay a little bit more that have what you need or home warranties or whatever it may be so that you're not constantly falling into these money traps, these money pits that keep happening or you know, tenants aren't really telling you about things that need to be fixed and then they just break, you know, so that's a whole nother episode. But I do think that that could be a good one for you and me to kind of collaborate on because we both have a lot of uh, insight that we can give to really just like avoiding the trap in the beginning rather than trying to like keep dig yourself out of a hole. It's, just, it's not really a smart investing way to do things or whatever. So yes, we're going to talk sir. about that one. Yes, sir. Understood. <laughs> All right. All right, all right, all right. So, um, so far, so good. So any advice to new landlords on how to navigate the Detroit rental market? So this could really be a question more so like if you want to be a property manager, or if you're already doing it, trying to figure it out, what would you say to them? Or it could be more of like if um, for a landlord, like things on a profile when you meet people or applicants that may stand out to you as good or bad versus um, things that may not. So you can kind of loosely answer that question, however you interpret it. Yeah, no. Um, so I would say one, <clears throat> which is a big thing, and this is unique to the city of Detroit, which is our lead-based paint clearances, hmm. stating that every rental home in the city of Detroit that was built prior to 1978 must go through a lead clearance process through the city of Detroit. Um, and if not, you will be heavily fined and then can get into civil matters to where your property can be basically sieged from you through um, not eminent domain, but court proceedings through um, the city itself. Yeah. Um, so I would say that is the major one. Understanding that if you want to have rental homes in the city of Detroit, you must go through this process and factor that expense in and your budget when you're looking uh, for your acquisitions to know, hey, that's a part of the bottom line now. And then in hunting for properties and you know you're buying portfolios of properties from other investors in the city, which you could use for leverage, you can ask, has this property received its COC, certificate of compliance? And if so, I would like documentation of that. So I would say that is probably one of the biggest things to be ready for stepping into the Detroit uh, uh, rental market and uh, being ready, ready for that. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. No, I totally agree. I think um, there was like a mass exodus when that really passed. We had a lot of people who just kind of were like, you know, uh, we're going to get out the game. They already didn't love the <laughs> game, but the money was good, but no one wanted to be possibly penalized for things mm-hmm. that may already happen in their house. And so I had a lot of people who wanted to sell and a lot of people picked them up, but a lot of people also didn't really do what they were supposed to do either. So you're yeah. absolutely right. That it probably is definitely the most paramount thing to take a look at and try to look into. So awesome, awesome. So mm-hmm. what are the most common like rental scams that you've come up against? Mm, good question. Uh, I would say <laughs> so many factors, <laughs> but getting, getting serious to it though. Honestly, um, you want to probably is I know history or or wisdom says look at the income, look at credit scores and this and that. And that was never gonna not be an important part of the equation. But I do feel like it's more than just what is on paper. Or if a person is frankly meeting the money requirement, Um, because you gotta understand this is a relationship. And so I uh, definitely wanna see that you know, you have, um, you know, and this changes, but, you know, some people say one year, two years on the same job. Um, uh, 2008 really wiped out what is your credit score, right? Because the best people had a tank credit score when 2008. So the market had to understand another way to vet what is a credible um, applicant. And so, yeah, you look at it still because it's an indicator, but it may not be the clearest picture. Um, So me personally, I like to um, get that vibe talking to them over the telephone. Mm -hmm. Still doing my normal questions. Hey, how long have you been at your job? You know, what's your monthly income? How many people are with you? You know, uh, what's your reason? You know, just... All the normal basic stuff. But in that, you're going to get who this person is. That's true. You're going to get it. Right? Most of the time. Let me caveat that. Most of the time. Right? Most of the time. Listen to the air. You'll hear it. (laughs) (laughs) People tell you what. I got to do it. Mm. Maya Angelou said it. What what did she say? And I'm paraphrasing. When a person tells you who they are, believe them. That's close enough. Right, I totally agree. Right, and I'm paraphrasing the, the great, the great there, but it's true. Listen to it when they come off already thinking they can be relaxed and oh, how you think that money gonna come in? Relaxed exactly. in the money, <laughs> exactly. And and that's totally so right. yeah, income, but it's the other, it's the kind of the non tangibles that I look for. Mm. Because at the same time, everybody knows to put on the face in their interview. Exactly. And if you can't in the interview, like, come on, man, what's what are we right. doing? And I know not even right, but exactly. everybody knows to put the most people know to put the face on For to minute, get what you want. Exactly. And then you really find out once they in there. Right. Absolutely. So you got to be ready for like, OK, I know this interview. Let me dig past. 
And sometimes you almost want to even ask, not a, a rude or offensive, mm -hmm. but you might ask the same question twice just to get a, 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 a sense of a person's patience yes. or lack thereof. Yeah. Or does the answer change? I, you know, I'm a big fan of asking things a couple of different ways sometimes, especially if you have something that just stands out to you. I mean, look, especially if you're the owner and not the property manager and landlord, you need to know, you know, so sometimes you can be a little bit more mm, transparent, I guess, uh, with people and hope that they can be transparent with you. So it's guess, not always the dollar that you want. It's mm -hmm. the relationship that you're looking for. Exactly. And actually leads me to just to expound upon that. One of the biggest, I guess, rental scams that happens, in my opinion, is the one where they lead you with the money. Right. So uh, they give you uh, give you a deposit right now. They give it to you in cash or whatever. Right. But they know they're not going to pay rent for 12 months. So like that was nothing to them in comparison now. And it's a lot easier now to get people evicted. But for a while, I remember it was a, a big struggle. Right. So a person could be in there four or five, six, seven months figuring out their next move while you're sitting here making no money. You made a measly couple grand or whatever, thinking that you had a quick renter. So don't follow the carrot on the stick, follow your due diligence and make a good decision. Even if that means sometimes making a little bit less money, right? Like sometimes people love to lure you with money. Right. So you got to right. see it and see what your goal is. Right. And how can you make it and stack it up with their paperwork and who they say that they are and seem to be versus the other one? Because that's a, that's a deadly, deadly scam, especially for people who are starting off for you to get backwards in a mortgage because someone scammed you, you know? So that one is my biggest one yeah. as far as scams yeah. go. Absolutely. And yeah. I just got a few yeah. more questions left for you. Um, so the next one is going to be, how do you balance the stress of the business? Yes, balancing <laughs> the stress of the business. <laughs> I actually got a good answer for this, but I, I want to just go back really quickly to that scam because I think, again, yes. Well, I know from this point, brick and mortar Detroit is definitely a safe place for people to come and get accurate information about the industry. And with that being said, with that being said, I want to be clear that people are looking for good answers. One thing that I did leave out, Eric, that it needs to be stated is the probably the most hurtful scam is for when I see people are scammed and renting a property mm -hmm. because they listen and decided to fill out an application in the grocery store line mm -hmm. or at the doctor's office mm -hmm. or at Rite Aid or CVS mm -hmm. and not to promote any other, but a convenient <laughs> store mm -hmm. or just because somebody texts them out of the thin blue sky. Right. I've seen this so many. You talk about the evictions. Now, mm -hmm. imagine having to evict somebody that was already scammed. Wow, I haven't even considered that. Now nah, you got to put them out. Mm, mm. Bro, so I'm just saying they need to hear this. Mm. Please, referrals, reputable places, people that you saw living that they've been living there and they you see they okay and they tell you this is where I went, this is who you. Very much that so. one, I needed to just really highlight that. 
Very much so. And it, it does go both ways, too. I mean, we'll probably talk a little bit more, but there are a lot of slum landlords, right, who aren't doing right by their tenants. So since that's, that's a whole right. totally different conversation, yeah. we'll, we'll follow up there. <laughs> that's right. Um, but, but, yeah. but thank you for letting me go back to that. Oh, please. man. Hey, it's real flexible. So anything that you feel is important, please feel free to put it out there. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. I was going to go back a little bit more even on that scam commentary but I, I can't really remember exactly what where I was going to go with that so I'll, I'll move on um but yeah how do you balance the stress of the business yeah so balancing the stress of the business um uh for me is a is a daily journey I feel like that part is something that I consciously uh have to to be conscious of frankly yeah um not to um, bring it into the home mm. because I, I, I hate to say it, but I actually used to bring my work into the home seriously. Mm. And, and back then it was probably management. So, you know, it was <laughs> stress. I was bringing home. It wasn't <laughs> happy yes. days. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of stress that I was bringing home. And, you know, frankly, you know, my wife, um, I think she said something or something mm. and it made me, have to check myself and be like, all right, I got to start leaving this seriously at the door. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. honestly, it's not fair. It's not fair to anybody else on the other side, you know? So yeah. I think, um, and so with that, caring enough and acknowledging like, okay, I got to do something about this is the first thing. Yeah. And then from there, you know, I just, I'm a spiritual person. So, you know, I, I'm, I believe in prayer. Yeah. So then I, I went into, okay, I need to pray for how to cope for tools. Mm. And so then I started just reading, of course, you know, I'm a big audible. I'm a huge audible. Grower. Join the club, my right. friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, man, seriously. So it was just, then I started to get on a journey. Like, okay, I got to figure this out. Like, I know I can handle this and do this. Um, and then frankly, be okay when it's not okay. And just needing to say, Hey, Mm-hmm. It's rough right now. Let me figure this out, but knowing that I'm not gonna, you know, lash out and all that. So I would say prayer for me personally. Um uh I know meditation is a huge one. Um uh what else? Um I think that was the biggest one. Just you know, really starting to pray and then just starting to get education on how not letting stress for what can be stress not be stress mm. Mm. so so really it was like okay this is always going to be stress i got to deal with this yes and so it was it, it became a thing of um me me like <laughs> it's okay, always I it's always us <laughs> yes i yeah. say um and it's a good book a good audible book called The Alchemist. And I said, okay, I got to cook this up. I got to create this environment. I got to do either I got to stop what I'm doing or I need to be able to deal with it. And so once I made that decision, I just made a decision that, you know what, I'm not giving people that energy no more. I'm not giving them that power to to change my mood based upon a, a, a current situation, especially one that's repetitive and just coming in different shapes and sizes but it's the same thing just 
right? So, and again, I don't want to sit here and try to be like, oh, a guru and that I don't need to recharge and that I don't fall short. But most of the time I'm on plane because I'm conscious about Mm. what's going on Mm. and, and, and my energy. And that's a new space that I'm at. Like, man, I'm just, I'm not letting people do it. I'm not letting (laughs) people have that over Absolutely. And I think that's part of the growth of just, you know, being an agent, you know, being in this career itself is something that you do have to grow through. I think a lot of us, a lot of people who start in the industry, they may not know how to get leads or it may take a time to actually get that first sale or whatever it may be. And there's just a lot of stress that comes with it, but some of it eventually becomes normalcy. And you learn how to deal with that stress and grow, but worrying, um, putting yourself in all of these problematic situations that only lend stress and not enough money or compensation or whatever it may be. Those are really good ways to overwhelm yourself and burn out really quickly. So I, I love to hear how people are dealing with their stress management and the fact that you've even taken the time to pull back, pause, and your spouse can always be a really good indicator or mirror for you. Like, hey, what's what's going on? You need to do something different <laughs> or you need to get it together. And, you know, so many times, you know, a lot of people are like, mm, but, you know, the spouse, okay, it must be true, you know, and then you can immediately sometimes start to kind of change your position, change your perspective. And that's not only, like you said, going to help you, but it'll help your whole family life, your baby, right. your baby definitely needs a good environment, you know, so that's definitely good information. <laughs> for me, meditation yeah. is always big. I know it sounds silly, but that five or 10 minutes, 20, 30, whatever you feel comfortable doing, just gives your mind a moment to yeah. rest. And it really just is that simple or whatever. And yeah. you can just be refreshed off some basic things or whatever. So I always like to put yes. that out there because anybody who's in this industry, I can't imagine you're not stressed. And if, if you're not, I need you to come on and talk to all of us because... <laughs> Absolutely. So exactly. Exactly. Anyway, my last two things. So I got to hear before you leave, what is your craziest Detroit real estate story? It can be property management, it can be sales, it could just be Detroit, uh, you know, whatever. But what is the craziest story you got? What you got? For real estate Detroit, craziest sure. story? Sure. Wow. Comes to mind? Craziest story. Few. Yeah, I'm gonna just I'm gonna tell you first thing that come to mind when it comes to crazy in Detroit. Um, it was along my property management years, and witnessed. Uh, well, let me restate that. Didn't witness it, but witnessed the aftermath of a double homicide. Um at one of the apartment buildings I managed mm-hmm. and actually had a good relationship with this particular resident. Um, to parallel that, then another situation at a really nice uh, rental property actually, and actually one of the nice parts of the city, and this made the news, another one of my residents, uh, homicide. So when you talk about what I've seen in real estate, man, I literally can tell you from the bottom of it to being with hedge funds that you know about and managing hundreds of houses and now selling millions of dollars of real estate. So those are the ones that stick out to me when you say the craziest thing. I mean, that was the first thing that just came right instantly, always to stay well, with. A double homie stands out, you know. I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. that is definitely something that sticks out in your mind. So, I mean, uh, that sounds pretty yeah. crazy to me. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm sorry to hear. Well, that. it was the second one though. So that was the, well, was it the second part? Oh no! It's just what's your craziest Detroit story? Right. Double Holly got me. You know? But if you got more of a story, I'm always willing to listen. <laughs> no, no, that's enough, man. We. This is a positive interview. It but, is. You know, I'm, I'm an honest person, and, and you asked for it. Absolutely. Uh, I went to the depth. I went to my depth of my soul on that. One. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Oh, well, the rest is just gonna be less. Let's cover what is you, what you got. You got a pocket listing, featured listing. You got something you pushing right now that you want the people to know about? Yeah. So right now, um, I've been doing a lot of off market deals, and so a lot of my listings, as you have me on with, is with Davis and Davis Realty. Um, but uh, um, you know, I found a niche which is wholesaling, and so I do a lot of off-market deals uh, with my Stevlin Capital nice. um, company. Um, and so right now, I got probably about a good fifteen, frankly, I need to be letting you know about anyway. Um, <laughs> that's that's off-market that I got packaged up. I'm almost done getting them packaged up. And I'm out of out there, so I would say right now I got a fifteen pack coming, and I got some other stuff coming down the line. Um, uh, but nothing that I could say, oh, here's something for the MLS. Um, I would say, um, you know, if people are looking for me and, and, and you have my information, um, they want to contact me to talk to me about off-market deals, then, you know, you will, you know, present them with that information for them to get in contact with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Brian with Davis and Davis Realty. Got the 15 pack off market. And I definitely, as soon as I get more information about that, I will make sure that it is available to anybody who asks and we'll see what we can get rolling for you. Yes, sir. Always a great resource. I greatly appreciate you, Eric. Absolutely. You too, man. It was definitely good to talk. I mean, it's been a while. So we've been talking about doing this and we finally got here. So <laughs> I'm very happy. It's definitely been a great conversation. And I think that it's been productive as well. So hopefully we can get this out. And we will go ahead and make sure that everyone can see it. And, you know, any more questions that anybody wants to hear, things that you want to talk about or want to hear talked about, please let us know. But otherwise, I'm your host, Eric Andrews, founder and owner of Brick and Mortar Detroit Real Estate Brokerage, 16 years in the industry, customer service relations, full service renovation, property management, and I started this podcast for boots on the ground insights from not just one, but as many professionals as I could find in the industry. Today, Brian and Brian, Brian with Davis and Davis Realty. Brian, anything, last words you want to say to anyone? Of course. Hey, this is Brian, the real estate doctor. I'm here live at Brick and Mortar Detroit where Eric Andrews, one of the best real estate brokers in the city, one of the best resources for you to see and wouldn't have missed it. Make sure you stay tuned for more great episodes. Brick and mortar Detroit. Awesome. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you later, Brian. I appreciate all your information. All right, good brother. Be catching up with you. You too, bro. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Brick and Mortar Detroit podcasts and newsletters reflect the opinions of only the authors who are associated guests of podcasts and do not reflect the views of Brick and Mortar Detroit LLC or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. They are for informational purposes only and are not a recommendation of an investment strategy or to buy or sell any home, security, or asset in any market. They are also not research reports and are not intended to serve as the basis for any investment decision. 
Any third-party information provided therein does not reflect the views of Brick and Mortar Detroit LLC or any of their subsidiaries or affiliates. All investments involve risk, including the loss of money, principal, and past market performance does not guarantee future results. We always recommend you enlist a professional entity for any investment decision you may be considering.